I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, please. And the second one, if you only want to go to one, the second one is where I'd rather you go if you're only going to go to one. Uh, We're going to start in Acts 13, but then we're going to turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, let me tell you how to get to Habakkuk, uh, okay? Uh, Now, some of you have iPads, so you're like, oh, I know how to get to Habakkuk. You know, you just push H-A-B and there you're there. So, but if you have one of the old-fashioned Bibles, uh, if you go to Malachi and turn left, five books. If you go to Matthew, or Matthew or Malachi, either one, Matthew might be easier to find. So go to Matthew, and then you'll go left, Malachi, uh, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and then Habakkuk. All right? So go backward, Malachi, uh, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and then uh, Habakkuk. All right? So if you've if you got to choose just one, uh, then go to Habakkuk because we're going to spend much of our time there today. Uh, we're in a series called Free Indeed. And if you didn't get to hear last week's message, please uh, listen to it because I laid a foundation that believers can be in bondage. It's nothing to be afraid of. It is something to be aware of and, and that we need to know how to get out of bondage. And we will get to more and more in this series how to get free and stay free indeed, all right? So um, uh, I, I woke up this morning and I felt like the Lord, sometimes the Lord speaks to me just as soon as I wake up or I have a thought that I feel is from the Lord. And uh, this morning, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, Satan is mad about this series. But I'm glad about this series, and I'm the one that's important. So, so, so I just want you to know, as I said uh, last week, Satan will do everything he can to stop you from hearing this, because truth is what makes us free. So this week's message is uh, uh, entitled, Beware of Chaldeans. Beware of Chaldeans, and I will explain to you what I mean by that. Acts chapter 13, Paul is in Antioch at Pisidia, which is different than Antioch at Syria. Antioch at Syria is where the great New Testament church was. It was the greatest missionary New Testament church. It's where Paul and Barnabas were sent from. Now they're at Antioch at Pisidia. In other words, Syria, Pisidia were like regions or states. So this is the city named the same, but it's in a different state. Uh, it would it'd be like Paris, Texas. That's not the real Paris, uh, just so you know. But it's a good one. So that's where they are. And he preaches a message about Jesus, and he ends the message with a caution. And I want to show you the caution. Acts chapter 13, verse 40. Acts 13, verse 40 says, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets, and that's Habakkuk where we're going, come upon you. Beware lest it come on you. And then he quotes a verse from Habakkuk chapter 1, behold, you despisers marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to, to declare it to you. Now, he is referencing that God became a man in Jesus, died on the cross for our sins, and that's salvation, and that the Messiah has come. And he's saying, you're, you're not even going to believe this, even though someone would tell you this. But he gives them a reason why they won't believe it, and he, it, it's Habakkuk. And what he's telling them is, there's an enemy who's trying to blind you to truth. And he quotes this scripture, but I want to go back and read 
the context in Habakkuk. So if you'll flip back to Habakkuk chapter 1, I've already got my Bible open there. I went directly to it. So Habakkuk chapter 1, verse, and when I was in uh, college, by the way, a professor said, I think it was Old Testament survey class, uh, uh, he said, turn to Habakkuk. And, you know, I was from East Texas, and so I said, you mean Habakkuk? And he said, yes, that could be your primitive pronunciation. (laughs) So, here, we're in Habakkuk. So, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. This is the, the verse Paul quoted. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Now, before we read verse 6, let me just tell you, he's about to talk about Chaldeans. Chaldeans are an Old Testament type of demons, the enemies that come against the people of God. Watch the next verse. Watch what he talks about Chaldeans, but watch how we can relate this to demonic spirits. Verse 6, for indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth. Watch what they're trying to do to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. There they are. That's what they're trying to do. We talked about this uh, last weekend, that they are, the word possess doesn't always mean ownership. It means to gain the mastery over. They're trying to gain control over dwelling places that aren't theirs, that don't belong to them. Now, in that day when Paul quoted this scripture, if they had gone back and read Habakkuk chapter 1 to see where he said, beware, lest it come on you. If they had gone back and read it, let me explain to you what the skeptics of the day would have said. The skeptics would have said, I think Paul's out of his mind because, listen carefully, there aren't any more Chaldeans. The Chaldeans had been utterly destroyed in 539 B.C., So much so, Jeremiah 50 and 51 tells us there will be none left. Uh, The Chaldeans were never again referred to as a nation or as an ethnicity even. Never. After 539 B.C. They were destroyed. So when you think about this, Paul says, beware, lest what was spoken of the prophets come on you, and there aren't any more literal Chaldeans. So what would he have been talking about? Well, let me say it to you this way. In the, skept- in the same way the skeptics of that day would say, Paul's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There aren't any more Chaldeans. We don't need to be aware of them. In the same way, the skeptics today would say something like this. Did y'all hear Robert Morris is preaching a series about demons? He's out of his mind. There aren't any more demons. Yes, there are you better beware because they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. That's what they're trying to do. See, it's right here. Okay. Now, um, let me show you again, Chaldeans representing demonic spirits. Uh, Let me show you some things about Chaldeans, about demons. All right. Three things. Number one, they're thieves. They're, they're thieves. Remember, verse 6 says they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. You, 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 we need to understand that Satan is the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But many times the Bible talks about Satan, but it's actually referring to the work of Satan, 
not Satan himself, because Satan is not omnipresent. You need to know that. Uh, omni means all. We say God is, he, God is, by the way, omnipresent. He's all present. God is uh, omniscient, uh, omniscience. So uh, omniscience, he has omniscience. That means science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. And he is om, omnipotent. Potent means powerful. God is all powerful. Okay. But Satan is not omnipresent. He's, he can only be in one location at one time. Uh, when he tempted Jesus, by the way, that's a real dude. That's Satan. Because Jesus did merit his personal attention. I've had other people say to me, Satan came to me. No, I don't know if it's Satan himself. <laughs> but Satan has an army of demons. And demons do his work. Jesus uh, said it this way. There was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. And he said, shouldn't this woman be loosed from this whom Satan had bound? Okay, Satan did have her bound. But Satan had her bound through one of his demons, through a spirit. You understand? So it's important to understand that there's an army of demons when the Bible talks about the work of Satan. Uh, again, verse 6 says they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are thieves. They are thieves. Let me read you. There are many scriptures similar to this in the Old Testament. Let me read you another one. Uh, Psalm 83 verse 1 says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies... The enemies of God are demonic spirits. Your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They, now watch what demons do. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And look at verse 12, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. I'm telling you, they're coming after you. You need to know if you're, if you're going after God, they're coming after you. you. See, so many times we think they're going after the unbelievers. No, they're not. They already got them. They're coming after the believers to keep the believers defeated so they don't win the unbelievers to Christ. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, now, I'm telling you, Chaldeans represents demons. Let me just show you, though. Uh, I was reading this past week. This is the exhaustive dictionary of Bible names. This is how the exhaustive dictionary of Bible names describes the definition of Chaldeans. Look at it here. Chaldeans, as it were, demons. Demons. The root word means to lay waste or to destroy. And the, the, the actual word means wanderers. They, they were wanderers, and I'll tell you some more about them later. But isn't it amazing that it means wanderers? And watch what Jesus said about demons. Matthew 12, verse 43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of, it means he was in, out of a person, it wanders. The Chaldeans are wanderers. Demonic spirits are wandering. And they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. It wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house, the houses. I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, that's very important, these three things it says about the house. When it comes, this is Jesus talking, by the way. When it comes, the spirit, it finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and live there, and the last day of that person is worse than the first. Now, notice how the demon can come back in. Because when it comes back to the house that it left, it finds it swept in order, swept and put in order, but here's the key word, empty. 
How many times do people come to Christ, get saved, and they get their act cleaned up and swept, put in order, but they don't fill their house with the Word of God? This is why it is very important for you not just to attend Gateway, but for you to go through Catch the Vision and become a member and get involved and volunteer and go to a group and go to equip and go through Freedom Ministry because you need to fill your house with the Word of God. And how many times do we know someone that got saved and they did great for a while and then they went back into bondage and the bondage that they went back into was actually worse than what they came out of because we're in a war. So it's very important this. These are wanderers. Chaldea would be uh, at that time uh, when, when, in this, in, um, when the Bible writes about them, they were a very small nation. Uh, they were about 40, and they were never more than 40 miles wide. Uh, they were about the size of New Jersey. Uh, and here's the thing that you know, they were, they were actually never conquered until they were destroyed. And when God said, when God said, when my purpose is finished with them, I will destroy them. Think about Satan and the demonic spirits. And God does have a purpose for them. God used the enemy all through the Old Testament to teach his children to call out to him. When his children went into bondage, they would cry out to him and repent. And it's the same way today. Many times we don't think we need God until we're in trouble. And then we call out to him. Um, I want you to notice that uh, uh, there are some things about uh, the Chaldeans that many people don't realize. The Chaldeans actually took over Babylon. Uh, As a matter of fact, when you read about uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. And uh, the, the Assyrians used to appoint the kings of Babylon, but Babylon conquered, uh, I mean, ne- the Chaldeans conquered Babylon and Assyria. And Nebuchadnezzar takes over, he's the one, he set up the 90-foot gold image, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is how we know them. By the way, those were not their names, those were their uh, Chaldean names, those are Chaldean names. Their names were actually uh, Hananiah, Michael, and Azariah. And uh, they gave them Chaldean names. When Nebuchadnezzar came in, he took two things that Satan is trying to take today. In other words, he's a thief. Demons are thieves, all right? Let me show you the two things that he stole. You can just stay there and Habakkuk. We'll come back to that. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and some of the articles of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the young nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking. I probably would have been taken. <laughs> That shouldn't have been that funny. <laughs> okay, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Gifted in all wisdom. See, see, I probably you know, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Yes, that's me. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Who had ability to serve in the king's palace. Let me just sum this up. The young future leaders. And whom they might teach. Now watch what they did. They might teach them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, so they would get in bondage to the lust of the flesh, and of the king and the wine which he drank. 
and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. All right, let me tell you the two things that Satan's trying to steal, the tithe and the next generation. That's what Nebuchadnezzar stole when he went into Israel. He took the, the gold and the silver from the temple. It was dedicated to the Lord. It was the tithe, and he took the, the future leaders. This is one of the reasons that we brought the King's University here is because I'm very concerned about the next generation. And they really, many of them really, really love God and want to go on. But the problem is that the world is trying to, cha- trying to train them in their language and their literature. And I want to train them in the Word of God. Many of them could not count backward from Matthew because they don't know the Bible. Many of them can, but many of them can't. And I want to teach them God's Word. And I want you to also notice that the enemy wants the tithe. This is how the enemy comes against you. This is how he came against the children of Israel when he took them into bondage. What they put in their mind, what they put in their body, and what belonged to God. That, by the way, First John tells you it's the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh being what you put in your body and what you do with your body. The lust of the eyes being what you put in your mind, what you see to try to make you smart. And the pride of life, you say, well, how does that relate to the tithe? Now, listen to me carefully because I'm going to say something very strong. Any person that doesn't tithe is arrogant. Because you believe you can make it your way and not doing it God's way. And you have to be arrogant to steal from God. You have to be extremely arrogant to steal from God. And please understand, if you don't tithe, that's an open door to demons. Because that's exactly what the enemy does. He's a thief. And you're allowing God. You're, I mean, you're allowing Satan to get you to, to be a thief. But not only a thief, but stealing from God. And I don't say that to make you feel condemned or to argue about tithing. I'm telling you, that's, a, that's an open door. And no matter how many doors you close in your life, if you're not a tither, you've always got an open door to the enemy. And this is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. He stole two things. He stole the tithe and he stole the next generation. Uh, can, can we just say this? When we talk about they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs, let me give you another image in your mind. Uh, demons are squatters. They're squatters. And they come and they, they put, get on the back part of your property that you don't go back to very much, and then they move in the attic, and then they move in a room that you don't use much, or you try to keep a door closed so no one else will see that area of your life. And eventually they take over the whole house. Could we just agree in this series that we're going to kick the squatters out? We're going to take our houses back. So, number one, they're thieves. Number two, they're vicious. They're vicious. You need to know that demons are vicious. Satan never has a good day. He never has a merciful moment. Not one. Uh, Look look back in Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. They're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. There's there's another reason. They they think they could steal from God. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. Now, I wish I could take and do a whole message on just that. Talk about leopards, how eagles, the vultures come in, all this. But let me just show you one thing. It says they're like wolves. They're like wolves. A few other scriptures that describe um, uh, the enemy is wolves. Ezekiel twenty two twenty seven. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Again, 
This refers to the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. Zephaniah 3.3, 3, her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. Let me tell you what that means. It means they feed at night. Can I just tell you something about when demons will attack you? They'll attack at night. If you haven't noticed that, you wake up in the middle of the night and they will start trying to get your thoughts to go the wrong way. Am I telling the truth? And the best thing you can do when you can't sleep is read the Bible or pray. It's the best thing you, you, you could do because otherwise you, you'll end up doing something or watching something that you shouldn't watch and do. That's what the enemy tries to do. They attack at night. Here's a, uh, at night. Here's a, a New Testament scripture on wolves. Acts 20 verse 29, Paul said, for I know this, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Okay. Um, Paul said, when I leave, wolves are going to come in. Okay. Let me just ask you a very simple question. Do you really believe he was talking about literal wolves? <laughs> Do you believe that the, after he left this city that they went out and bought some wolf traps? Said, you know, the apostle Paul said wolves going to come in. No, he's talking about demons. He said, demonic spirits are going to try to come in. And here's where they're, they're going to try to come into the sheepfold. They're going to come in among the sheep. I know this. I have a friend of mine that uh, did some study on wolves. And uh, I was talking to him this week about this, and, and he sent me this text after we talked. The Lord did not teach us about predators to teach animal control or children's fables. Wolves and sheep cannot coexist. This is from the study that he did with actual uh, scientists that study wolves. When wolves appear most casual and innocent, even interesting to watch, they are actually studying you and sizing you up for the attack. The more indifferent they seem, the more serious the danger. They are preparing for the pack attack. The more comfortable they appear, the more deadly they are. Now you think about how we, I mean, we like to see wolves on the Discovery Channel and movies about wolves that became pets and help people out and all that's great, but wolves are vicious. And when they're watching you, when you see them and you think, well, look at that wolf, he's just out there, just, he just looks so innocent. He's actually studying you to learn your movements so he can attack you. Do you, do you understand <laughs> that they watched and study, they, they watch and study people and look for the weak times, the isolated, you, you realize they attack the sheep on the freight. That's the one the wolf goes there. When there's a whole herd of sheep, they gets the sheep that's off to himself. Listen, please, please, please hear me. This is a sheepfold right here. You're a sheep and there's a wolf that's trying to get you. If I were you, I would not be on the fray of the church. I would not be on the fringe. If I were you, I would, if you're on the fringe, here's what I would do. I'd say, excuse me, 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 excuse me. I'd get right in the middle of the sheepfold, right next to the shepherd. I told you a moment ago, uh, I mean, wolves are vicious. They attack in packs. You understand that? A wolf, when a wolf attacks alone, it's because it's, it's threatened. But a wolf, when it sees a weak one or an isolated one, it actually, when it's howling, it's calling other wolves to the attack. And they surround you and attack from every side. And Satan never has a merciful moment. He never has a time when he gives you a break or he lets up. He is constantly accusing the brethren day and night, the Bible says. 
You would think that when a person goes through a tough time or has a tragedy in his life, that Satan would give you a break. That's actually when he attacks. You need to know that. I'll tell you how bad Satan is. If he had his way, he would thrust every newborn baby through with a sword the same way he did when Moses was born and when Jesus was born. The Bible says that demons don't respect the young or the old. They're vicious. These um, Chaldeans lived in, in marshes until they took over Babylon. They lived in marshes. And the thing that was so incredible about them is they would hide, and they were expert archers. They would hide in the marshes, and when you were trying to trudge through the marsh and getting stuck and trying to, tr- and trying to look where you were stepping, that's when they'd shoot you. It's the exact same way with the enemy. When you're trudging through life, that's when he's going to shoot So, number one, they're thieves. Number two, they're vicious. Here's number three. They're cunning. They're cunning. Notice, remember, it said they've taken crafty counsel against your people. They're cunning. Uh, You know, the the first um, Chaldean that ruled Babylon actually went in, not as a warrior, but went in and became a friend, and they got used to him and comfortable to him, and he ruled for 10 years before Assyria found out about it. Assyrian, this king of Assyria appointed the kings of Babylon at that time, and he ruled for 10 years, and then, of course, Assyria went in and ousted him. A few years later, they came back and conquered Babylon and Assyria. That's the way the Chaldeans, even though they're, they're a small nation, they were able to conquer both of them, and that's when Nebuchadnezzar then became the king, 605 B.C., so these, this is the way the Chaldeans are. They're just crafty. They just move in and become your friend and then take over. Um, Chaldean, uh, the term is synonymous with astrologer, magician, or sorcerer. I'll just show you one reference. Daniel 2, 2 says, Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell his dream. That was their desire to be uh, synonymous. A magician deceives you. He did, let me say it another way. He distracts you so he can deceive you. He distracts you so he can deceive you. Um, a, a, a sorcerer uh, deceives you by actual spirits, spirits that can tell your future. Spirits can tell your future, and that's how he deceives. And then uh, an astrologer tries to determine your future by natural events that you don't have any control over. Instead of God determining your future, he says the stars can tell you what your future is. That's a crock. Don't read your horoscope. Don't do anything like that. Let me tell you who determines your future if you're a believer. The Lord Jesus Christ does. So so when you sum up these three things, here's what demons are trying to do. They're trying to distract, deceive, and determine your future. Distract, deceive, and determine your future. Back in Habakkuk uh, verse 15, it says, they take up all of them, they, meaning the Chaldeans, take up them, meaning men, people with a hook. Uh, Verse 14, the verse before, referred to men as fish. They take them up with a hook, they catch them in their net, and they gather them in the dragnet. They they basically want to put a, a figure out what bait you like, and then figure out when to put that bait in front of your face. Even when they were tempting Jesus, when Satan tempted Jesus, he tried, he thought, okay, here's what, here's the bait, bread because he's been fasting, so this is the bait I'll put in front of him. Of course, Jesus didn't, didn't bite on the bait. So it says Satan departed from him for a more opportune time. I'll find another time when he's weak, physically weak, and I'll come after him. They are cunning. They're studying you. 
Let, let me say it this way. Who else but a mastermind could have a beautiful woman take a bath on the roof of her house at the exact time when David would walk on his balcony? You know how that worked out? Because they studied him. They watched David's movements, and they knew exactly when he walked on that balcony every night. And that's when they put it in her mind to go take a bath. I'm telling you, Satan is cunning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This word wiles in the Greek is methodeia. Uh, methodeia, it's where we get our English word method. That you may be able to stand against the methods, the schemes, the plots of the enemy. This is what he does. He plots against you. You, you, you also need to understand that uh, Satan is not a, uh, a man with uh, red underwear on <laughs> that has uh, horns and, and, a, and a tail and a pitchfork. Do you, do you understand that the world makes fun of Satan and tries to tell us what he looks like so that we won't understand how serious it is? He, he is not a little imp that sits on your shoulder and says, Johnny, steal a cookie. That's not Satan. Satan has an entire army, and they're organized. And uh, Joel describes them this way. They're like an army of locusts that come in and devour everything in sight. And, they're, and it says they march in ranks. They do not break ranks. And they know exactly where they're going and what their marching orders are. Um, you may not be able to write these down. And I, I, last uh, night, Debbie said to me afterwards, I said, I felt like people lost me for a moment. She said, well, that's because they were trying to write down that list you gave them. So, so you might not be able to write it down right now. Just go back and listen to it later. But let me just show you, because I want you to understand that he has a whole army. And let me just show you, there are seven categories of demons in Scripture. Seven categories. And here they are. Thrones, lordships, rulers, authorities, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness, evil and unclean spirits. All of these at one point or another refer to demons in the Bible. Thrones, now not all thrones obviously, but there are times when they're referred to as thrones, lordships, rulers, authorities, principalities of powers, rulers of the darkness, evil and unclean spirits. Quite an impressive organization that the enemy's running. Daniel 7.25, talking about Satan himself, and it's very clear it's talking about Satan. It says, he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High. This is the ESV version. New King James says persecute, but the word really means wear out. Uh, can, I, can I just tell you this? The word weary comes from the word wear. Satan will attack you when you're weary. That's when he's going to attack uh, the Chaldeans are the ones that stole from Job. By the way, Satan had permission. We are going to talk in this series how, series how Satan gets permission to come in and steal from you. And we're going to talk about how to take that permission back, how to take that open door back. Uh, Abraham, uh, many people don't know this, Abraham was born in Chaldea, and God called him out. Now, if you want to see a type and a shadow of believers going into bondage, Abraham being the father of the Jewish nation, the father of the people of God, he's born in Chaldea. God says, leave the land of the Chaldeans. He comes out, the nation of Israel, so he births the nation. The nation of Israel is birthed, and then they go back into bondage to the Chaldeans. 
If that's not a type and shadow of Christians, I don't know what is. Christians are born out of that and then go right back into bondage to the same thing. One more uh, scripture, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be sober simply means to be in control. In other words, don't, don't let the something else be in control of you. Be sober. A person who's drunk is not in control. Uh, let me say it another way. It's amazing that the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> don't be out of control, but be under the control of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was telling my son Josh on Friday, we were going somewhere, and I was telling him about this right here, and we drove by a sign. Right when I was telling him this, we drove by a store that said, wine and spirits. And I thought to myself, how deceptive Satan is for us to actually walk in a store and say, yes, I'd like to buy some spirits. <laughs> and I'm going to take those spirits into my body and expect there'll be no consequences. How foolish. Don't be under the influence or under the control of any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what he's telling us in the Bible. So be sober. The, the other thing says is be vigilant. All that simply means is watchful. It does not mean to be afraid of Satan. Don't, you don't need to be afraid of Satan. He's a roaring lion. Can I tell you a little bit about a roaring lion? A roaring lion is an old lion that doesn't have any teeth. Here, you, you need to understand that the old lion that doesn't have any teeth, that can't catch prey on his own, actually goes around behind the prey and roars and scares them into the mouths of the young lions. Those are the demons. And here's the reason I believe that Satan is the, and the Bible describes him as a roaring lion, because I think Jesus pulled all his teeth. Amen. I think Jesus took care of it. And the reason that you don't need to be afraid of the roaring lion is because Revelation 5.5 says the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Uh, one more thought this, this, uh, uh, that my friend told me, these scientists and people who had studied the, the animals told him this. They said wolves and sheep cannot coexist. Okay, I'd like to make this statement. Wolves and sheep cannot coexist without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. When you have the shepherd, he can take care of it. You remember Psalm 23 talks about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But here's something it says, his rod and his staff comfort me. Okay, you need to understand that he doesn't hit you with his rod. His rod is not to hit the sheep. Otherwise, we couldn't say his rod comforts us. He does not hit the sheep with his rod. Let me say it in Texan. He uses his rod to beat the snot out of the wolf. That's what the devil, that's what the Lord does. So, here, so here's the answer. You say, well, what about, you're saying beware of Chaldeans? And I'm telling you, I know Pastor Robert, they're coming after me right now. Okay, what's the answer? Run to the shepherd. Come to the shepherd. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we want to pray for you. At every campus and in every overflow room right now, we want to pray for you. If you're going through an attack, the best thing you can do is say, I'm, 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 going, I'm being attacked right now, and I know it. So if you're, no matter which campus you're attending, or if you're in an overflow room, in just a moment, at the front of every campus, every overflow room, we're going to have leaders 
that we've trained, that we know, that love you to pray for you, to help you. We want to pray for you. There, there was a woman last night in the service, when I started talking, she said I could not even lift up my head through the whole message. She couldn't lift her head up. She was so oppressed by the enemy. And she came down and got totally set free. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you. And if you're in the second level at, at South Lake Campus, don't leave, all right? If you need prayer, you can come to the front, down the sides, or by the exits, there, are, there will be leaders right there with name badges on, and you can, you, we'll, we'll know if you're heading toward the exit, you're not leaving, unless you have an emergency, we understand that, but you're going toward one of the exits to pray with someone. If you need prayer for any reason at all, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, and come. And if you're on our ministry team, we need everybody on our ministry team that's available for prayer. It's happened every service. And we need you to come as quickly as possible if you're on the ministry team. So as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, and come so we can pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus especially that needs prayer, but especially those under attack, so we can help in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 19 years old when I gave my life to the Lord, and everything changed. I didn't have any desire to go back to that old life. I wanted to walk with the Lord and learn more about Him. And some people helped me to learn the Bible and to learn how to pray and to learn about my new life in Christ. And that's what we want to do for you. I am so excited that you've given your life to the Lord. He's forgiven all of your sins, and you're on your way to heaven. But we need to learn some things now about the Bible, about prayer, about some basics of the Christian life so that you can be victorious and live for the Lord like I know you want to. So we've designed a class called Fresh Start. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this class because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord now. I love you and I'm so proud of you.